0: So, we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians 12. And we're just... And we're going to be be just starting in verse 1. We're going to basically be looking at verses 1 through 10. And what we're going to be focusing on here is basically six things that we can learn from Paul... And his thorn. And I'm going to go ahead and start reading in verse 1. I must go on boasting. Though there is nothing to be gained by it, I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up in the third heaven whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I don't. I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast, but not on my behalf. I will not. But on my behalf, I will not boast, except of my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of these revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. There's so much packed into that passage, and so uh, we're just going to look at a few things here. Um, first thing I want to point out is in verse 6, um, Paul really has all the opportunity he needs to boast. And he even goes so far as to say that if he did boast, he wouldn't be a fool about it. So why did he not boast about it? Um, and we find the answer he says, uh, so that no one would think more of him than they saw in him or or heard from him. And I find it interesting that he, he shares this whole caught up experience in the third person. He kind of, I guess, pioneered the uh, talking in the third person, right? Um, Dave thinks so. Um, so I also find it interesting that he begins the story describing himself in the third person as a man in Christ. So he spoke in the third person to draw attention away from himself. And even when speaking in the third person, he still made sure to point people to the work of Christ in him. Uh, that it was his state of being in Christ that was a deciding factor in his being caught up. So the first thing point that I'm, I'm, I want to look at is that when we speak to people about our, our story, kind of going back to uh, Kevin's sermon on Sunday, um, it's important that to everyone we speak to about our story we make sure that they know the extent to which Christ is a necessary part of that story. So it's so easy just to talk to people in church and forget that all the different ways that Christ has worked in our lives is just as important to tell those people. To tell the people around us here. So that's kind of the first um, first part of it. Um, through the whole passage here, you can kind of sense Paul's apprehension about telling his story. Um, <laughs> I find it kind of funny um, You know, if you read verses 1, 5, and 6, it's like he's having an argument with himself. It's like, I must go on boasting, though there is nothing to be gained by it. I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. On behalf of this man I will boast, but on on my own behalf I will not boast except in my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it. You know, it's just like a back and forth. Um, But he does it with a purpose. Um, as we continue to read, we see you know he's setting himself up. he's setting up uh, the backstory to what the passage is really about. Um, because of all these this ability and opportunity that he had to boast, he also had the opportunity to become conceited. And when we, we talk about being conceited, what that word you know, if we break down that word, it basically is—it means uh, being excessively proud of yourself or um, vain. So the next, the second point I want to make is that uh, we cannot let the evidence of the work of Christ in our lives reap conceit or pride. Um, whether it's, it's a talent, a gift, uh, divine knowledge, uh, or a spiritual experience, any of those things, um, the greater that gift is, the easier it is to become conceited in it uh, from it. And when we talk about a gift or something that we receive from God, there 's really nothing greater that we can get than that. And so I guess the, the point here is that really be on guard. Uh, look for those those opportunities that that you have to uh, become conceited and 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 throw those at the feet of Jesus and just remind yourself that it 's not you it 's him um, it's I made kind of this little comparison uh, it 's like standing before the holy judge and receiving a holy undeserved pardon for your sin and then walking away and saying, How awesome am I' I just got my sins pardoned. And that's not it at all. It's how awesome, how amazing is the judge, how amazing is the one who took our penalty. So it's it's just so easy for us to put ourselves in the place of God as the giver of that work in us that can really only come from Christ. Uh, Proverbs sixteen verse eighteen. It says, Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before the fall. Um, I'm going to read verse 7 for the next point, And that is, uh, so to keep me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. So, the third, third point, a third lesson we can see here is that oftentimes the thorn is actually God's preventative care. And I, I, it just kind of jumped out at me as I was studying for this that notice that God, in verse 7, God gave him the thorn before he ever became conceited. He was, it's God knew that he had that ability. He had that, maybe uh, maybe he was prone to that. And God knew that. Um, and it seems to me that just from reading the passage, that as he was pleading with the Lord to take the thorn away, he didn't know why it was there. He didn't know that it was there to keep him from becoming conceited. Uh, I just, I can't see Paul saying to himself, Lord I know that this thorn is here to keep me from becoming conceited but i 'd rather not have it you know that just doesn 't sound like a thought process that Paul would have um, with this, uh, I guess going into the fourth point here is that um, suffering is it 's an opportunity for us to commune with Christ and we can see that in verse eight um, verse 8 says three times i pleaded with the lord about this that it should leave me so during times of physical pain or or really any kinds of hardships um, we have really two different roads we can go down we can either take that opportunity and and kind of retreat inwards and dwell on ourselves and you know where we are where we are uh, in life uh, we can retreat into the pain or we can fall on our knees and seek the Lord. Um, I can, this verse I, I can relate to uh, in my own life. Um, I've got this uh, ex- excerpt that I'm going to read for you. This is just uh, out of something I start I, I wrote a couple years ago. Um, and it's uh, just things I remember about my childhood uh, growing up. Uh, for some of you don't know, I grew up in, in a country in South America called Suriname. Uh, my parents were uh, missionaries down there. And uh, so that's kind of where this takes place. Um, I remember flying back to Suriname after a summer furlough, which furlough is kind of like an extended vacation for uh, missionaries. Um, So I remember flying back to Suriname after a a summer furlough between 4th and 5th grade. We had stayed in a house owned by Green Acres Baptist Church in Tyler, Texas for the summer. And I was really into sports at this time in my life, especially soccer and basketball. I remember playing soccer in the backyard of a friend I'd made that summer in Tyler, and I loved playing goalie. Uh, And I'm not really sure why, now that I come to think of it, because goalie is... Definitely the position with the most pressure. And, uh, but anyway, uh, not long after flying back to Suriname, my right knee started bothering me. And it, it wasn't a steady pain. Uh, it would just kind of flare up at random times. And this went on for several months. But we didn't think much of it. At, at my age, kids had growing pains. And, and that's what we thought the pain I was experiencing was. At the house we were living in at the time in Suriname, we had a makeshift basketball court in the front yard. Uh, The rim height was adjustable, which means I could dunk, which was awesome. And uh, and the floor of the court was concrete slabs. Um, I remember dribbling the basketball around the court, practicing, and I remember taking a quick turn and feeling just excruciating pain in my right knee. And I had to stop playing. And I remember a flood of emotion coming over me. It was a mix of pain, frustration, exasperation, and really any other emotion like that that a 10-year-old boy could have. I remember limping, limping into the house and finding my dad in his office. And I remember sitting down across from him at his desk, and the emotions just overcame me. And I sat there, tears streaming down my face, and I tried to express my frustration to my dad, but I just couldn't get many words out. I just said, it hurts, Dad. Why does it hurt so much? And I think that was the moment that we knew that these weren't growing pains. And uh, that was kind of the beginning of the road of this kind of journey that I I began on uh, with my the hip disease that they found uh, later. And uh, God really... Used it to shape my life in ways that I never thought could be possible, but early on, I had no idea i had no clue why I was having to deal with this i have no I had no clue why from ages uh, from age eleven and a half to thirteen uh, I wore a brace I had to wear this brace on my legs that kept my legs at about ninety degree angle looked like i 'd been a you know a horse all day and uh and the way the brace was constructed, it had these plastic cuffs around the legs, and uh, so you couldn't really wear it with shorts because then the plastic would like rub against your skin. And so basically, in a tropical climate, I wore jeans for a year and a half. It stunk. Um, and uh, you know, sports was difficult. Um, I got it off on my thirteenth birthday, and then from age fourteen to. 26, I think, was my last surgery. I had seven, seven uh, surgeries, a lot of reconstructive surgeries to my hip, and uh, at every one, you know, I'd kind of find myself getting hopeful that you know maybe this is the one, maybe this is the one that's going to heal it and take the, the pain away, and um, and in, every time it just basically was the same or just got worse, and. I just, I can remember so many times that, that I would plead with the Lord to take the pain away. And maybe I wasn't listening, but it took a very long time for me to, to sense and to hear back, to hear that answer that, that God's grace is, is sufficient. I, I think I probably just didn't really understand what grace was. And... Um, so that's kind of, I guess, a little bit of my backstory as to why, why I can relate to, to how he's feeling here. I can I can really I can feel his his exasperation, his, his desperateness, his desperation, pleading with the Lord uh, to take it away, and uh, and that it really just makes verse nine all the more amazing. Um, and I really think verse nine is the is the pinnacle of this passage. It really starts to get good. Um, verse nine says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So Paul didn't see the purpose behind this and his affliction. and uh, The fifth thing the fifth lesson we can we can learn a thing we can see from paul and his thorn is that when the grace of god is revealed to us in the midst of pain or you know not necessarily physical pain but a trial in your life it brings a depth and meaning to that situation to life that cannot be found elsewhere um So we look at this with Paul. He didn't see the purpose behind his affliction. It was only when the Lord opened his eyes to see the depths of grace behind the thorn in his flesh that he understood its purpose. How I can just imagine that moment for him when he heard the Lord speak to him and just how amazing that moment must have been for him when he saw the grace behind it. When he saw Christ working through it. Um, In these situations, there is such potential for light to be cast into darkness when we see that grace that's at work behind the pain. And I love his response to seeing this grace. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me for when I am weak, then I am strong. I mean, What, what just a, a liberating revelation uh, that must have been for him. So this brings us to the, the sixth point, the final point. And uh, that point is that God can take the thorn that he initially used for preventative care and he can then use it as a catalyst To launch us further in our spiritual growth. And that is grace. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. So that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now Paul understood the purpose behind his suffering. And that understanding produced in him joy and peace. The therefore at the beginning of verse 9 Points to his revelation of grace. It points to his realizing, his understanding that this grace is behind all this pain that he's dealing with, and that just brought him such a deep joy that he could boast. Not only could he boast in his weakness, but he could boast gladly. And so we see that joy there, and you can uh, you can see the peace that he finds in it in verse ten. For the sake of Christ, I am content. That word, content. And he then basically blankets all these other things, includes all these other types of pain, not just physical, but weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities, anything bad that can happen to us that can bring us down and show us for who we are as weak people. He can find peace, and we can find peace there too. Um, for me, it's as if I can, I can hear God saying, you know, God, Dave, I know your capacity to sin. I know that this temporary pain I'm allowing you to feel will keep you from sinning more. And I know that it will draw you to me. Not only will I use this pain to keep you from sinning, I'm going to show you grace show you my grace by using this pain to draw you closer to me. and in my grace, you will find peace and joy in the midst of that pain. Um, I wanted to share, as I was kind of studying through this, I, I initially uh, went through this passage. I was writing something for for my blog that I've been working on and and uh, out of that, uh, writing and out of just studying this, this uh, passage I, I wrote this this, uh, this hymn and I just wanted to read it to you in closing and um, this hymn is called O Depths of Grace when fears collide and tempests roll and depths of terror storm my soul the light and might will fade away your grace is all my hope and stay O depths of grace, my rock and shield. When chasms deep, the darkness wields. My soul finds rest and truth revealed. In all sufficient grace, I'm sealed. When strength gives way and weakness wins, and darkness overwhelms within, the weight of sin is my disgrace. Find rest my soul in depths of grace. O depths of grace, bring light my way. When dark. When pathways dark seem here to stay, my soul finds peace and truth revealed. In all sufficient grace I'm sealed. I hear the darkness speak in thought, death in my bones my debt has wrought. As death holds guilt in high esteem, no condemnation is my theme. O oh, depths of grace that reaches me through sacred scars of hands and feet, my soul is free in Christ revealed. In all sufficient grace I'm sealed. When breathings cease and life gives way to everlasting glorious day, I'm carried high on wings of grace to see my Savior face to face. Sweet depths of grace will lead me home or mountains high through valleys low. My soul finds life in Christ revealed. In all sufficient grace I'm sealed. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. Lord, we worship you tonight for the depths of grace that you've shown us through the cross. For sending your son to to shed his blood, to take the penalty for us in such an amazing glorious, victorious grace so many years ago, Lord, and beyond that, Lord, you sh- just the way that you show us grace every day in sustaining us and holding tightly to us, Lord, when we, when we try and stray, Lord, that you, you hold on to us and you show us grace and Lord, in, in the midst of pain and trials and suffering, that even, I, th- I would say, in, especially in those times, that there is such a deep, rich grace that we can find in you in the promises that you've given us. And we pray that just this, that your grace would be just a little more real to us in our lives tonight. And we thank you for your grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray.